The Athletic. Lauren Hill. So difficult to stop. Oh! Also, hold it in the Sahara. Also, Kanten da. Fahren in the Sahara. Miedema. Miedema van de Donkers mee. Miedema. Goal, 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 goal. Deoro. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast Euros Edition. Coming up, France too much for the Dutch. Quarterfinal curse lifted and stand out so far. It's Lindsay Hooper here and joining me is Arsenal women correspondent for Arse Blog, Tim Stillman. Hello, Tim. Good evening. Thanks for having me back. You are more than welcome. And also joining us once again, the Athletics' Jay Harris. Hello, Jay. Hiya. Thank you as always. Great to see you both um, and thank you for hanging on. It's never a blessing, is it, when you see the extra time clock kick in, (laughs) not when you're recording straight after the matches. But hey, we'll get into that in more detail in a a short moment. Uh, The defending champions, Holland, they're out of the Euros. France take the last semi-final spot, but only by a penalty in extra time. So, Tim... Did you find it an exciting watch or was it gruelling in parts? A, a little bit of both, actually. I thought, I, I know, like when people say fascinating tactical battle, that usually means it's really, really boring. But I actually <laughs> thought this this really, really was. I mean, the first 45 minutes, not so much. The first 45 minutes was more, oh my God, how have France not scored yet? And you're left kind of wondering if they'd had Katoto or if they'd selected Henri or Les Sommer. You're sitting there kind of thinking, you know, with one of those players, surely there'd be a couple of goals up by now. But I thought what was quite interesting was that Netherlands responded and uh, I thought the Gilles Rod sub was a good sub and that kind of changed things. And then France kind of responded to that again by bringing Basher on and, and you got like a little bit of ebb and flow to the game and I think the second half was slightly less one-way traffic. However... France really, really deserve to win and they they really should. I mean, they should have had it wrapped up in the first half, but they really deserve to win inside the 90 minutes. So I I think we had the right winner from the game. Mm, I I did take to my socials for this one, Jay, and say it felt like watching Sweden all over again in their (laughs) quarterfinal. Were you having any flashbacks to that performance too? Well, to be honest, at halftime, I debated having to lie down. I was that like just breathless watching the game. You know, as we kind of alluded to, France were just so dominating in, in, in that first 45 minutes. Diane just had kind of like the Netherlands defence absolutely scared. But yeah, it did kind of bring flashbacks of, of Sweden, Belgium. And you always feel like, is this going to be one of those games where it does creep into extra time and we're just waiting around for ages for something to happen? And obviously, in the end, it did go into extra time. But as Tim said, France were worthy winners, but definitely not the scoreline that I think anybody would have predicted 10 minutes into the game, let alone at half time. And just before we get into our full analysis, you see those shots at the full-time whistle and at the quarterfinal stage, we are in that knockout part of the of the tournament. And so you, there's players being consoled, you see just heartbreak. It, it's, it's horrible, you know, when players have left so much on the line. Did you both feel for the Dutch, Tim? I mean, I definitely did. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a there's a few Arsenal and ex-Arsenal players in there as well. So I, I debated turning the TV off. I didn't want to see sad Viv, um, quite frankly. 
But yeah, like totally 100%. They put a lot into this game and they had to because they didn't have the ball for long, long spells. And there were players there, you know, we know that Miedema just recovered from COVID, uh, Jackie Gronin as well just recovered from COVID. And then to be asked to play 120 minutes, most of it without the ball, like absolutely shattering for them. So mm. definitely. And there are a couple of those players as well for whom the tournament never really got going. Probably, again, someone like Miedema, just because of the COVID thing. But there are some players, and I'm sure we'll talk about them later, who, who've really emerged, probably as part of a new generation for the Dutch that we'll see much more uh, coming into next year's World Cup. Yeah, you point that out. I remember seeing Jackie Gronin around 70 minutes going down with cramps. So, yeah, I think it was a big ask. Jackie was groaning, basically. Yeah, she yeah. was. She was. <laughs> Jay, were you feeling sorry for them? Yeah, I just kind of expressed the exact same sentiment. I think, you know, Miedema, I'm surprised she did last 120 minutes. You know, I think she just kept dropping to her knees. And I think Wendy Renard, fair play to her, went over to the end and, and kind of pulled her up. And, and some of that defending from, from the Netherlands at stages in the game was was really heroic. You know, the epitome of, of last-ditch defending. And a word for their goalkeeper, Dom Salar, as well, because some of the saves she pulled off, that one from... I mean, Wendy Renard must have had about three or four headers that could have gone in, but there was one in particular and Dom Slar just kind of like tipped it around the post. And I remember just leaping up off my sofa because I thought it was just perfectly nestling in the corner and it was just such an amazing save. So when you see a team who kind of put their all into it, you know, left everything on the line and very nearly managed to get away with something, you know, hats off to them. You've got to give them full respect for, for, for pushing France a really, really hard way. Well, let's have it then. Let's hear how it all unfolded. And no surprise that penalty is the decision. And Ed Perisay puts them in front. France won, Netherlands nil. So France having so many chances. No one could work out how it was still goalless in normal time against the Netherlands in Rotherham. But in the end, a penalty from new Chelsea signing Yves Perisset uh, bought the French the victory after Dominique Janssen had fouled Diani in the box. Uh, with that 1-0 win, France set up a semi-final against Germany. Oh, talk about finally breaking this curse then, Tim, for France, because quarterfinals, yes, they've made them regularly, but they've not got past that stage before. Yeah, definitely. And I think I said before the tournament, what if this is the one tournament where France just don't fall apart and don't decide to have arguments and don't decide to have a soap opera and they just put it all together because you can see how much talent they've got. And even losing a player like Katoto, like, you know, arguably the best number nine in the world. And and don't get me wrong, I think I did impact them in this game in that I think she might have finished some of those chances off. But when you've got wide players like Diani, for example, and Cascarino and Sandy Baltimore couldn't even get on the pitch tonight. You know, they, they've they've just they're absolutely stacked with talent. They really are. You know, they can afford to leave some of the best players in the world at home, um, albeit not because they're not good enough, but because they've argued with the coach. And it, it's, uh, you know, I, I do think that it's about time that France really showed something, really showed what they're made of in a tournament because they haven't for so long. And I, I'm really, really looking forward to that semi-final. I, th- I think France v Germany is going to be so, so difficult to call. Yeah, 10 years of making quarterfinals never further and now they have. They've gone beyond that. I don't want to stir the hornet's nest too quickly, Jay, here. But Corinne Diacre, you saw the, the shots of her. She looked motionless 
And I was wondering, is there something ticking over in that brain? Are we going to see something in the semi-final? And she's just going to completely rock the boat here. I would not put it past her. And I think the Mallard substitution might have started all that off as well. Yeah, you kind of have to be emotionless at this stage of a tournament, though, don't you? As kind of like Tim alluded to, all the kind of drama and emotions that have kind of rocked the boat with France at previous tournaments, it's, it's the correct way to do to kind of just forget about it. This team is stacked with so much talent. Getting to the semi-finals shouldn't really be an achievement. Getting to the finals should really be the bare minimum that, as we've kind of alluded to, some of the players have. So... Yeah, well done, pat yourself on the back, but go again. You cannot get carried away with this. From the very first game of this tournament, you showed that you were serious contenders. You're now in the final four, you've proven that. And you've now coming up against another team in Germany who've been absolutely phenomenal in this tournament. This is the business end of the tournament. If if you are as good as you think you are and as, as good as you claim you are, then exactly, you just have to get on with it. You can't get overexcited about getting to this stage. Well, Diacre didn't look very happy, Tim. Uh, Shall we try and work out why? So France (laughs) having over 22 shots in normal time, 11 on target, and it still remained nil-nil. Where was it that you thought they could have been more efficient? I think that number nine spot, you were talking there, Lindsay, about, you know, are we going to see something in the semi-final? I I wouldn't be surprised in that nine spot because I don't think this time the Mallard thing really worked. It definitely worked against um, against Iceland. Well, certainly in the first half against Iceland, but I, I don't think it was as good here. And she changed it and she tried Diani up front. That didn't really work either, I didn't think. It took Diani away from her most dangerous position. And, and I just don't think... I, like, I was, I was thinking throughout the tournament, I really think that France might put it together. I think that France might have a good tournament here. And then when they lost Katoto, I did kind of think... She's one of the few players I just don't see a replacement for, not a direct replacement for. And yeah, I I don't know whether um, Corrine will stick with the Mallard Force 9 experiment in the semi-final. But at the same time, I don't really know who she's going to put in there. She could put Matteo as a Force 9. Like they None just of us don't do Tim. None of us they, Yeah, be. yeah, they just don't have another proper number 9 really in any way shape or form and and I do think that that Basically, I think the real favourites for this tournament are the ones who've had continuity, England and Germany, basically, whereas Sweden, Netherlands, and because of injuries, France are kind of experimenting on the fly a little bit. So I'm going to be really interested to see how they try and solve that problem in the semis. Germany haven't conceded a goal at this tournament yet as well. So France will need to be... They just cannot afford to be as wasteful in front of goal as they were today against that Germany side who, as Tim said, have been solid and have not had to tinker and change throughout the whole tournament. They know exactly what they're doing, so well disciplined. And if you're getting those chances in that game and you're not finishing them off, Germany going to win. This sums up the wastefulness because, Jay, you already mentioned Renard and the three headers. Uh, there was one that was tipped around the post, which rightly the the goalkeeper should get credit for that one because it was it was going to nestle in. There was also Mallard who had two shots saved off the line. Um, again, do we give the credit there to Van der Graat, who was fantastic? Cascarino hit the post. Gayoro missed a big header chance with five minutes to go. I mean, there were a flurry of chances just before the final whistle. So you look at that. They're not wasteful players usually, are they? No, they're not usually. But then this is a this is a major international tournament. The margins are fine. You can't afford to be giving up those kind of chances. As we kind of said, I think some of the Renard headers, you just have to give credit to the goalkeeper. And Van der Graat, some of her clearances were just 
phenomenal. She shouldn't. There's no way she'd be even pulling them off. Pulling I mean, she off. took one so from close range, didn't yeah. she? Out of the but, body. And you know, Cascarino with her volley that hit the post and stuff like that. That that's not really that's a half chance. But the the Gaiora header. If you get that opportunity oh, against Germany and yeah. you miss that. That's like a defining moment within a game. That it, it was, was the biggest on, miss, wasn't it? That was. It, it wasn't on this occasion, but it could have been. Let's say Netherlands won this game. You're looking at that moment saying, that's the moment that France kind of threw it away. So that's something that, yeah, Diakra is going to be thinking about a lot in the next few days, I'm sure. Well, let's flip this around then, Tim, because when you have a team like that, who are throwing everything at it and it's just not working, we even saw them look to the heavens at one point, didn't we? Renard was just like, what have I got to do tonight? What is it the Netherlands should have done to capitalise? Because the momentum suddenly shifts and you think anything could happen here. This looks like it could be the Dutch that go and steal it. Yeah, it's it's because basically Netherlands just haven't quite worked out what they're doing under Mark Parsons yet. You know, he came in last year. He was kind of on a part-time basis at first. And you can just see they haven't had enough time together under him yet. And you could see that in the starting lineup as well. Gilles Roord came out and Van der Donk was in and... Palova was in and you know there's been there's been a lot of changes and uh, Janssen came in at centre back whereas she's played left back in quite a few and, and actually I thought the um the starting lineup made a lot of sense but you can see they're they're tweaking things every single game and it's because they just haven't quite sorted what they're doing yet. And in terms of this game, like I said, I thought the Gilles Roard change was a good one and it stemmed the flow of the game a little bit and the Netherlands were getting a little bit getting a little bit more on the counter-attack in particular and just holding the ball a little bit better higher up. But I, th- I think once France brought Basher on, it, it kind of nullified that again and then Netherlands just didn't have another answer on this occasion. I, I think the, the kind of positive for Netherlands here is you can see another generation bubbling up under what's been a very settled team o- over the last few years. So Van Donselaar's come in, obviously, and then you've got players like... Uh, uh, Damaris as well and Brutz and Palova and all of these players I think are going to be starters by the next World Cup but I just always had the impression that this tournament came a bit too early for Netherlands and they they still just need like a few more a few more camps together a few more games to to kind of really sort out what their team is and how they play. And if you're a women's football scout around the world right now, Jay, you should be taking notice, shouldn't you? Van Domselaar, keeping the Netherlands in it for a while there. She's contracted with Twente until mid-2023, but surely must be on the radar of quite a few. We were reminded in the commentary by Mark Scott quite a few times that Van de Graat out of contract. And I was thinking of so many WSL clubs that she'd be a great fit for. So yeah, they should have been getting their pen and paper out is that how they do it nowadays yeah definitely I mean I think I've already shouted them both out multiple times but yeah if it wasn't for them two I think yeah France would have scored a, a, a lot more in that game but Van Domselaar at such a young age I think, she, I think she'd only played a couple of times maybe even only once for, for the Netherlands before this tournament and to kind of show that level of maturity and kind of almost at times single-handedly keep her team in a game that's the sign of someone with with real real talent and that's definitely someone at WSL teams I'm sure we're probably already taking a look at but a tournament like this has probably catapulted her onto the radar of maybe a few different teams as well and I think with Van Domselaar as well that's another one of those decisions that I think would have happened mm. before next year's World Cup because sorry Van Veenendaal hasn't been in brilliant form for a couple of years now I think but that injury in the opening game forced that decision on Mark Parsons and and actually 
without wishing to be unkind to Sari, I think that did him a favour. Can I do a goalkeeping pun and say when her chance came, she took it with both hands? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Miedemar, now, Tim, you've already alluded to the fact that she was recovering from COVID, but big players, you want them to perform on the biggest of stages. Did we only really get that one, the turn that led to the, the one goal? Is that going to be the only thing we really remember Viv Miedemar for this tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think the performance in the second half against Sweden when she really took the game by the scruff of the neck, moved slightly deeper and had a, a much bigger influence on the game and, and against one of the best teams in the tournament who, you know, lest we forget, still could go on and win this thing. But the, the, the COVID thing clearly just took the wind out of her sails and she clearly suffered with it quite badly to miss two games. I think almost all of the other players who've had COVID in this tournament have missed one but we're told that you know she she struggled with symptoms quite significantly. So, and and I think you could see that tonight that it it wasn't quite there. I mean, it was a difficult game for her to get into anyway. But you know, I think Parsons just Mark Parsons had this dilemma at the end where really ideally I think he probably would have liked to have taken her off after seventy minutes or so. But if you're in a game like this and you need a goal, you can see why you don't take Miedema off. And, and yeah, this listen, she's played in plenty of tournaments already and left a big mark and she's got lots of tournaments ahead of her. But this one won't linger in the memory for her, I don't think. We are going to do a special semi-final preview episode. So we'll go into more detail on the semi-finalists. But very briefly before we move on, we know France are facing Germany next. Do you think that Germany are going to be too much for this France team? Is the semi-final as far as they go? It's so difficult. Obviously, I feel slightly biased because I've watched Germany live a couple of times. And obviously, I've written my, my piece about Alexandra Pop. So there's, like a, there's almost like an allegiance and a loyalty there. But I think I said it pretty much after the first time. Sorry, it was after the Germany-Spain game. I was just so impressed that Germany showed multiple sides to what they're about they absolutely dominated Denmark in that opening game and then against Spain where they had very limited possession of the ball I think they only had 36% but they still controlled it so I think we've just seen a Germany team that's already been tested in multiple different ways and that's the sign of a champion someone who's willing to kind of divert from plan A and still play very well and as we kind of alluded to France with their their lack of a of a real quality number nine are not going to get that many opportunities against this Germany team. So I think it is going to be one step too far for them. At the moment, I, I, maybe I shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I, I think Germany will win it. Don't hate me for that. <gasps> oh, intake, double intake of breath from me there. <laughs> uh, we're going to save you, Tim. You hold on to your thoughts and I'm going to hold on to mine. Uh, to get the reaction from the losing side from this one, we spoke to Dutch journalist Anne-Marie Potsma, who was at the New York Stadium. Anne-Marie, um, we're very, very privileged to have you on because it, I know it's been a long day for you and you've watched that match and you've also had the disappointment of seeing the Netherlands go out. I mean, what, what was the reaction at the final whistle from everybody? Yeah, they've been playing for 120 minutes, so obviously players were disappointed. I thought a really nice moment was uh, Wendy Renard comforting Viviane Miedema. Uh, she, she just put up a fight after have, uh, having suffered from corona. Um, so she was going through the ground and absolutely, yeah, devastated. And um, 
Yeah, so players were teared up, I mean, after fighting. But then you've got to be honest, you know, there, there were a lot of <laughs> escapes uh, in this match. And uh, our goalie, Daphne van Domselaar, she just, uh, she was an absolute hero this, uh, this evening. And did that continue in the post-match interviews as well? Is that what Mark Parsons had to say? And what were the players like? Did they manage to keep their composure about it? Yeah, I mean, Mark Parsons mentioned, mentioned that he was uh, very proud of the team. Because yeah, he's always really positive, and uh, I think uh, looking at the players, they 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 had more to say about uh, that. It just uh, wasn't enough tonight, but they, they really did uh, everything they could. It was hard to say to see Viviana Miedema. She was teared up, and uh, just you look at a player, and and they all had this wish, you know, to to get further in the tournament and defend uh, their European title, and then you see the tears coming, and um, yeah, so vulnerable. So it kind of hurt hurt me a little bit too. And yeah, uh, Daniele van der Donk uh, had some interesting things to say about uh, how about their playing tactics you know about defending and and attacking at the right moments um yeah so it was interesting what else did she say about that did she did she expand yeah she she said that that they were defending more than than she would have liked them to to do you know and by saying that she was looking back over the whole tournament to so all the matches they've been playing and uh, she said it's not my style of playing you know i like to be more in this attacking role and uh, I think that you've seen that with with other players as well this tournament but mm. I mean yeah they, they just they, they're going home now and I think they're going to reflect on what has happened and uh, yeah it's been a journey and an adventure for all of them you know some youngsters coming on the pitch they, they go home with a new experience uh, and and the older ones with more experience in the team they'll go home and thinking what makes this tournament different from the other ones that I've played. So, yeah. It sounds like Danielle van der Donk has started talking already. And, and one of the things this tournament is that the players haven't been scared to to air their opinion, have they? They've done that on a few occasions. I mean, what do you think the fallout will be like when they get back to Holland? Yeah, I, I, I tried to ask that to Shalida Spitzer, but it, it was just too short up on, on the game. You know, what's... What will their influence be? You know, is this the line that that they want to draw all the way through? You know, is this the, the or do they say till here and then uh, not further? You know, and um, um, they want to see some changes. So, yeah, like I said, I think the ones with more experience will reflect on this and 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 think about is it the style of play? Is this how we want to come over as a, as a team? The Dutch fans have been fantastic, Anne-Marie, and I wondered if they stayed behind after the final whistle. Sometimes when the cameras have gone off for us, those are the moments that I love to just see where they go over and, and show their appreciation. Was there an element of that going on? And and just exactly, you know, what did you think of, of the crowd and the way that they've they've turned out this tournament? They were amazing as always, you know, we've, we've, we've had the parades. I think tonight we had nearly 10,000 fans in the stadium, so not, not as much as you would expect for a quarterfinal in the Euros or what, what was it like, you know, five years ago. But they still stayed until the end and we had this funny mix zone with, with the press and the players and then uh, the, when the players got through mix zone, they were already on the on their way to the bus and there were a lot of fans that stayed to, to cheer them on. Uh, and I think the ones that didn't had something to do with the trains leaving because it, it got kind of 
kind of late. Yeah, so um, a lot of orange in the stadium, a lot of cheering on, uh, a lot of family members because, you know, England is so close to the Netherlands. It's a big advantage. Just uh, a lot of families coming over, friends. Yeah, so um, they've been amazing and, and I think they've been a great support to, to the team as always. Finally, the team that put you out, France, do you think that they can go on and win the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited already for the game uh, uh, against Germany, of course. This, oh man, they started off so strong, you know. You, you, I mean, the Netherlands, they could hardly afford, uh, they couldn't afford losing the ball because within three, four touches, France would be in, in the in the 16-meter uh, area in the, in the box. And like I mentioned in the beginning, there were so many escapes, I mean... You know, hitting, uh, yeah, our goalie played a really big role this match. She really mm. saved us. Yeah, and, uh, she's brilliant. Yeah, so I think France will, will, will come really, really far. But it's going to be, uh, yeah, tight against Germany. Two really strong teams. Oh, yeah, I don't think anyone can can wait now for these semifinals. There's some some good talent on show, good talent as well in this Dutch side. I'm afraid, though, it is the end of their journey for this one. But thank you very much for speaking to us, Anne-Marie. Yes, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. That was us speaking to Anne-Marie Postma. Uh, we've got a bonus episode coming up with our semi-final previews on, so we won't go into all the detail just yet. Let's hold some back. Uh, time first to look back on the quarterfinals, and Michael Cox said they were entertaining but somewhat predictable. Do you both agree with that, Tim? Yeah, I can see where Michael's coming from here. Like quite a few of them, I think probably the favourite one every time. I'm not sure the Sweden-Belgium game went quite as I thought it would. I did think Sweden would be a bit more comfortable there. But to be fair, the way it panned out in terms of Belgium putting 10 behind the ball and frustrating <laughs> Sweden, not, not a surprising tactic. And actually, we know that Sweden are more of a transitional team and not really a team for deep blocks. So I, I can definitely see where Michael's coming from. Also, England-Spain, again, I think that probably did go to form. The result went to form. I don't think the actual match itself really did. However, I yeah, I mean, e each of those teams came into the game with a particular style and we saw all of them do it. Like, nobody did anything that we didn't expect, mm. if that makes sense. Well, producer Sophie, she loves a game, so we're not going to finish this one without getting you both involved. Uh, this is all about sharp reactions. I understand we went to extra time. It's very late. We're being a bit cruel, but just try. Try your best, Tim and Jay. I'm going to say a word from the Euros and you tell me your reaction to that word. So if I was to say Austria, for instance, or actually if I was going to say Everard, you might say Bouncy Castle. <laughs> and if I said Austria, you might say overperforming. You get the gist? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So first one, and we'll flip-flop between you. Go Tim first, Jay second, and then vice versa. So start with Georgia Stanway. Traction engine. Uh, excellent. Belgium. <laughs> it might sound ridiculous, but it just makes me think of Helm's Deep from Lord of the Rings. Like, <laughs> kind of like backs to the wall. Does that count? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We like that analogy, Tim. Sorry, boring. Aitana <laughs> Bonmati, Tim. Uh, majestic. Ooh. That's not a good enough word to describe how watching Bon Matty makes me feel. Like, majestic was probably the closest thing to it. I'll just say, like, irrepressible. Ooh. Goal, Jay. Goal, Stanway. 
Tim. Mead. <laughs> you both went for England players. Uh, goalkeeper. Uh, that would be Van Domselaar for me. I'd say Christensen. Oh my word. Kiva O'Neill is going to be throwing things at her. Well. I say her what? Her podcast screen? <laughs> I was sat next to Kiva when she was kind of brainstorming that piece. Yeah. And I said, please look at Christensen's saves. I, I, I said, don't look at the scoreline from Germany, Denmark. I said, I promise <laughs> you there's some insane saves she made in that game. So, uh, yeah, I'll take a t small, small, small dose of credit. Okay. Actually, um, no, I didn't. Never tell Kiva I did that. Forget <laughs> that. <laughs> she'll, she'll be coming for me. She's an official member of the Everard fan club now. So, uh, winger, Jay. Winger, Diane. Has oh, to be. Brilliant. So good. That would have been my one as well. Um, I'll, say, I'll say Clara Ball. Alexandra Pop. Tim. OG. I'd say, I'd say Machine. When you say OG, have I missed something? Was it OMG? No, no, o OG. <laughs> <laughs> go on, go on, please. You can expl explain what OG Explain to me, means. my God. What, <laughs> what's OG? Own goal? No, 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 no. Old gangster. <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> I'm just going to go and get my rum. Um, I, really hope, I really hope that makes the final edit. Oh, me too. <laughs> I mean, I just... <laughs> will reveal how not down with it I am. Um, I did need that explaining, though, otherwise I'd have just been wondering forevermore. What were you saying, uh, Jay, about pop? I said machine. Machine, yeah. See, I wouldn't have gone OG, would I? I'd have gone probably more down the machine route. Uh, Serena Wiegmann for you. Just supremely intelligent. Tim, try and top that. In control. Okay, and we're going to end on crowd. Who do you think of? With my Arsenal bias, I think of all the Arsenal players turning up to watch their Arsenal teammates in the shirts of of that team. So at the England game the other night, you had Leo Valti, Caitlin Ford, Jordan Nobbs all turning out, all Tim, turning up in their England open, shirts. if we cut you open, you'd have an Arsenal scarf in there. Jeez, come on, Jay. I think of Spain just because they came out in real colour at the Brentford Community Stadium a, a week or so ago. That was like kind of singing the whole way through. Real, real felt like a little bit of a fiesta. I'm adding one in on this one for the Aranya Barmy Army. Because, oh, of course. Oh, my gosh. Come on, guys. Well, there you have it, our final assessment of the quarterfinals. And we will be looking ahead to the semis and our preview show out on Monday morning. That is all that we've got time for on this one for today's Athletic Women's Football Podcast Euros edition. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Tim. Hope you liked ending on the game. Thank you as always. Yeah, it was good fun. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. And thanks to producer Sophie as well for putting all that together. A huge thank you to you for listening. As always, keep tuning in to the daily Euros podcast that we're producing and keep on spreading that word. Follow the channel and subscribe where you can. For now, au revoir. The Athletic.